Welcome to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast aims to bring the sermon from our Sunday morning service to you each and every week. We're currently in our sermon series, Next. The best is yet to come. For the past 20 years of Rolling Hills, we have seen God do more than we could ever imagine. Countless lives have been impacted for eternity. Many have professed their faith through baptism. Adults and children have grown in their faith through discipleship. Campuses have been launched in communities all throughout Middle Tennessee. And the vulnerable and the least have been served throughout the world. God has shown up time and time again, and now we faithfully look ahead to what is next for His church, knowing that it's not about us and our future, but about God and His perfect plan. Our prayer is that this will be a season that we look back on and see as one where God grew and stretched His people in ways He never has before. We're believing we will see restored relationships, miracles happen right before our eyes, radical salvations, and prodigals returning home. We believe for all of this and more. In this series, we're walking through the book of Nehemiah and how God's call on His people in that day is one He still has for us in 2023. May He find us faithful as we step forward, trusting that the best truly is yet to come. So listen in as we jump into what the Lord has for us today. Oh, well, good morning. Good morning, Rolling Hills Church family. It's so great to be together today. What a great morning of worship and baptism and all glory to our God. Welcome to our Franklin campus. Welcome to our online campus, wherever you're joining in from. You're part of the Rolling Hills Church family. And welcome back to our series. We're in this great series called Next. And I'm so excited about this series because inside all of us there's always this longing for what's next right i remember you know my kids were younger i love being a dad by the way and we would go to the park we'd be playing there and we'd come down the slides or the swings they're like what's next daddy what's next you know and it's just always fun and it's exciting but there's always something in our lives next why why is that because things that are alive grow right Things that aren't alive are dead, and they don't grow. There's nothing next. And so inside all of us, we kind of know there's, there ought to be something next, something that I'm looking forward to. And we, we try to enjoy every moment that we have and be present every moment. But there is this longing deep down inside of us. And I just want to challenge you over these next several weeks, just be listening, whether it's your kids or whether people at work or whether it, you're just going to hear the word next pop up all the time because it's inside of us. It's the way that we're made. And the same thing is true spiritually, right? There doesn't come a moment where it's like, okay, well, I'm done. Right, I've grown, you know, I'm, I'm fine, I'm done. God's always calling us to take a next step. Now, some of those are big steps, right? Salvation, big step, right? Committing my life to Christ. Baptism, big step. Man, I just love baptism and that commitment, that public expression of our faith in Christ, you know? Joining the church, big step, or being a community group, or going on a mission trip, or whatever that is. But there's all these little steps as well. And the little steps matter, Right, that little step of waking up in the morning and going, okay, I'm just, I'm going to read a chapter of the Bible before I go to Instagram. Okay, you know, I'm just going to start, you know, before I get to social media and get upset about what's going on, I'm going to start here. Well, that little step reverberates in your life over time. And so there's always this call to go deeper with God. Always this invitation. And it's beautiful as God is growing us into the men and women He created us to be. And as a church, taking a next step even together as the body of Christ. Now, in this series, we're walking with this guy in the Bible named Nehemiah. 
And I love this guy. I love his story because he could have easily been comfortable. He could have easily kind of kicked it back and just said, I'm done, you know. But God called him to take a next step and his obedience impacted generations. And now we're a part of that story. So if you have a Bible with you today, invite you up with me to the book of Nehemiah. Old Testament, kind of about halfway through the Old Testament, you get there, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, that whole section right there. If you need a Bible, there's some Bibles in the back. If you're online, you can go there into, you know, the church app that we have and you can find Rolling Hills app and you can see the scripture there. But Nehemiah, man, is just something I've loved ever since I was even a student. When I was a teenager, I remember studying this book and I just, just fell in love because I just thought this commitment here that we see in Nehemiah. Now, let me kind of reset the stage from last week. We were in Nehemiah 1. Today, we're in Nehemiah 2. But Nehemiah 1, we find out that Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. And the cupbearer to the king was like the biggest position back then. Now, just kind of giving you a timeline, right? The temple had been destroyed in Jerusalem and the Babylonians came in and destroyed the temple. Well, then the Persians, the Medo-Persian Empire, you remember this from, you know, studying history, right? The Persians came in and conquered the Babylonians. And then Cyrus, the king of Persia, says to the Jews, you can go back to Jerusalem. And so some of them went back and rebuilt the temple in 517 BC. So they were in exile for 70 years. Well, Zerubbabel kind of led that charge. They go back and they rebuild the temple. And then, you know, Ezra comes back. Well, in 445 BC, Nehemiah is the cupbearer, the prime minister. We know from antiquities that, I mean, this position is like second in command. He was the bodyguard. He was the one who tasted the wine before it went to the king. A lot of assassination attempts. So, He's the one who would die instead of the king, right? He was the one who tasted the food. He was also the most trusted person because he could be the one to poison the king. So this guy, head of the bodyguards, most trusted person. He also knew multiple languages we know from antiquities. He would interface with other kings and he had to be handsome. Okay, so we know that. So this guy's got it going on. I mean, like he's living his best life. He's in the palace in Susa, right there on the Persian Gulf kicking back and his brother comes back from Jerusalem 800 miles away and says, Nehemiah, you wouldn't believe it, but the city is in disgrace. The walls are broken down. It's been trashed. The temple's still there, but listen, it's not even a city. It's an outpost. And Nehemiah's heart broke right there in that moment. For the Jews, Jerusalem, I mean, that's it, right? That was where the temple, the presence of God for Christians it's the church, okay? That's when you get to the New Testament. The church is the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. And so our hearts should be moved for what God's doing in this church. Well, for Nehemiah, his heart was broken. Jerusalem is in disgrace. And so he prays, he prays. And then pick up in Nehemiah chapter two. In the month of Nisan, so the month of Kislev, we know in chapter one was you know, around November, four months later, around March, month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. Okay, back then, kings didn't like it if you were sad. So that never went over well. So like, you would get your head chopped off. So basically, he's like, I've never done this before. Uh, I was sad in the presence of the king. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of the heart. So the king knew him really well, right? You know those people in your life that you just know really well, whether it's your kids or your spouse or maybe your college roommate or a best friend, and you go, okay, what's up? 
What's wrong? And they're like, no, it's fine. It's fine. Like, no, 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 no. I know you. What's going on? You know, you could just read them. You know that. That's what the king was doing. Nehemiah, what's up? Nehemiah's like, no, nah, you know, and so here he is. And he says, I was very much afraid. I, I love that the Bible is real. These are real people, you guys. Sometimes we think the people in the Bible like, are different. Than, no, he's like, I was afraid. You know, I mean, I'll just be honest. I was like, oh no, this guy, you know, he could have me killed. Okay, but I was afraid. There's times in our life when you're following Christ that there's a little bit of fear, right? God prompts your heart to, to invite your neighbor to church, you know, and you're like, uh, how are they gonna think about that? You know, well, they're gonna be happy or they're gonna respond or maybe they'll be baptized. I mean, praise God, but, but there's this fear, right? Or to talk to somebody in your life, you know, who doesn't know Christ or, or you know, to go on a mission trip or to serve. And there's a little bit of fear. And Nehemiah, had that fear, even though he's got it going on, even though he's successful, even though he's strong. I was very much afraid. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. They always said that back then and it never happened, right? I mean, all these kings died. But anyway, I guess that's what you tell the king. They think they're a demigod. But may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? He just lays it out there. Here's the deal. Here's what I'm sad about. The king said to me, what is it that you want? What is it that you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. All right, underline that right there because right now, you know, sometimes we think about prayer and it has to be formal. Nehemiah chapter one, you got this beautiful prayer that he writes out, oh, great and awesome God. I mean, it's, it's amazing, right? And the praise and the confession that we saw last week. But this was one of those just quick prayers. This wasn't like, I'm going to fall on my knees and go, oh God. You know, it's like, no, this is like, uh, God help. Okay, God, give me wisdom. God, speak through me. You know, there's times maybe you get in a disagreement with your spouse. I know that probably doesn't happen very often, but, but if it ever does happen, right? In those moments of just going, before I respond out of emotion, let me just say a quick prayer in my head. God, give me wisdom. God, let me say the right thing. God, let me show that I do love, you know, but let me... God, God, I need to, need to articulate this well right here this moment or with your teenager or with your roommate or with a friend or at work. God, speak through me. God, give me the right words. That's one of those prayers. That's one of those quick prayers. I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. Okay, now this is a big request. <laughs> I mean, Jerusalem is like the hardest city in the world to conquer. It's Mount Zion. It's up on a mountain. Huge walls, you know, when they're intact. I mean, Kidron Valley. You know, what is the motivation for this king to go, oh, sure, go back and rebuild that. And then I have to send a whole army over there and conquer it again one day, you know. He's like, but there was something that God stirred in his heart. Nehemiah needed a miracle, needed a miracle. And God was like, watch this. Then the king with the queen sitting beside him. And a lot of people go, well, is that Queen Esther, right? Probably not, probably generation before, but probably why Nehemiah is even in this position. So you're seeing how all these connect. Then the queen sitting beside him, they asked me, how long will your journey take and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I love that. He's like, you're gonna let me go? Great, I'll be back in. You know, it's like he wanted him back. And he told him, well, I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. 
So he's like, well, since I'm going to be able to go, can I also have this? I need some letters because I'm going to go 800 miles, you know, and I got to get across there safely. Oh, and may I have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, so that he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. You know, I love this about Nehemiah. He's done his research, right? He knows. He's been planning. Oh, yeah, there's a royal forest, and I'm going to need timber. And so while I'm here, well, king, can I also have, can I also have, and I love it. He goes, oh, can I also have timber to build the walls and the temple? Oh, and to build a house for myself, too. I mean, basically, that's what he says. Can I have wood to build my house? Will you build me a house while I'm there? And then I would underline this in my Bible. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. I love this about Nehemiah. He doesn't say, look at me and all my planning. He just goes, and because the gracious hand of God is on me. Do you know the gracious hand of God is on you? <laughs> I mean, did you ever stop and just look at your life sometimes and go, wow, thank you, God. <laughs> I mean, it's not like what you've done or what I've done. I mean, why were you born here? Why were you born at this time in history? Why, why do you have what you have? The gracious hand of God is on you. And there ought to be times, I love that song, you know, you are faithful and I am grateful. And Nehemiah, he never got away from that. He always gave the glory to God. So I went to the governors of the trans-Euphrates, look at this, and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officers and a cavalry with me. I mean, like bonus day, like he didn't even ask for that, right? He's just like, I'm going. And the king goes, oh, here, take the Calvary. They'll go with you, right? He's like, yes. You know, and so here he is, 800 miles. You know, he's just on his camel going, check me out. I got a whole army with me, you know, going on this route. How cool is that? Well, when Samballot, the Hornonite, and Tobiah, the Ammonite official, heard about this, they were very much disturbed that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. And so we're going to see these guys that start to cause some dissension. You know, following God isn't always easy, right? There is some opposition. There are some challenges. And in chapter 4, we're going to see these guys come back. Well, Nehemiah picks up here. He says, I went to Jerusalem, 800 miles, by the way, and after staying there three days, I set out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. So he's like, I get to Jerusalem. I'm not telling anybody what's getting ready to happen, but I'm just praying about it. I'm planning for it. And by night, verse 13, I went out through the valley gate toward the jackal well and the dung gate, examining the walls of Jerusalem which had been broken down and its gates had been destroyed by fire. Then I moved toward the fountain gate in the king's pool, but there was not enough room for my mount to get through. So I went up the valley by night, examining the wall. Finally, I turned back and re-entered through the valley gate. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, because as yet I had not said anything to the Jews or the priests or the nobles or the officials or any others who would be doing the work. See, I love this, you guys. Nehemiah is a servant leader, right? He gets there and everybody's asleep and he goes out at night. At night, he's riding through over the, you know, the rocks. It's all torn down. He's looking at it. He's evaluating it. He's praying through it. He's getting a plan in place. I love that. You see, I just want to say thank you, right, to many of you because you are servant leaders. 
You know, many of you dads, right? At night, the kids are asleep and you're going around checking the locks on the door, making sure everything's okay. You're protecting them. You know, you're, you're paying bills, right? You're getting insurance. You're, you're, you, just, you do these things that nobody sees. Moms, you're amazing. You do all this that your kids never see you, that people never see. And you, you're packing lunches and you're planning schedules and you're figuring out how to get people wherever they need to go. And, and nobody ever says thank you, but I want to say thank you because you're impacting generations, Thank you to all you who, who teach. You know, you're studying for your community group lesson at night. Everybody's asleep or they're watching a ball game and you're like, I gotta get my lesson ready, you know, and you're in there, but you're so excited. You're teaching kids or preschool or children or students or you're working in local ministry and you're doing helping 413 or, or Path Project. You, you do this stuff and God sees it makes a difference. And who you are in private becomes who you are in public. Who you are in private and what you're working on in private or what you're doing, you know, a lot of people at night, I mean, they're doing things you're just like, man, don't do it. That's gonna come out in your life. But who you are, if you're working on the things of God or preparing for the things of God, God's gonna use that in your life. And here's Nehemiah, the servant leader, getting things ready. Then I said to them, now he brings everybody together, right? Why is the prime minister here? And now I said to them, right? You see the trouble we're in. And I love how he says we. Not the trouble you're in. Like, why haven't you guys done anything about this in 70 years? You know, he says, no, 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 no. We're all in this. You see the trouble we're in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us, let us, I'm a part of this. Rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and we will no longer be in disgrace. Verse 18, I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. He's like, let me just give me my testimony. Look at what God has done in my life. Look at the miracles that have happened and what the king has said. That is so awesome. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. He rallied the people. 70 years, nobody had done anything about the walls. 70 years, they've been living in this disgrace. And he comes back, he goes, let's do something great for the glory of God. Let's do something great. And they said, yes. And they began this good work. All right, if you're taking notes today, here's some things I'd love for you to write down. Man, this is so good for all of us today. Man, I love God's word. So if you are taking notes, if you got a worship guide, if you're online or you want to pull out the Rolling Hills app, you can go there on the Church Center app and you can find a place to fill in some blanks. Look at this. Number one, Nehemiah had a vision from God. That's Nehemiah chapter one. God gave him this vision, right? Go do something for Jerusalem, rebuild it, right? And then he developed a plan in Nehemiah chapter two. He developed a plan. A lot of times God breaks our heart for something and we're like, oh man, I should do something about that, right? I need to, I need to get involved. And then we're like, ah, I got too much else going on. I got a lot of things happening. But man, get into that part where you develop a plan, where you step into it. Look what he said to the king, right? If it pleases the king and your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city of Judah, where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. That was bold. Look, Nehemiah prayed and he planned. Nehemiah prayed, and we're gonna see this guy, he just prayed, you know, nine prayers we talked about, but he also planned. He also did something about it. And there's times I'm gonna pray about this, but, but I gotta put some action behind it. I gotta step into it. See, Nehemiah knew the cost. He knew the cost. All of us, we have a limited amount of time. We have a limited amount of money. And so it comes down to where am I going to invest that? 
right? Where am I going to invest that? Where am I going to invest my time? Where am I going to invest my money? And I want to invest it for the greatest return. And Nehemiah knew the cost, right? He's like, hey, I'm going to need lumber. I'm going to need to get, you know, to trans-Euphrates. I mean, like he planned it out, everything that he needed. And he was willing, right, to sacrifice to go 800 miles because he knew the impact that could be made. Nehemiah also set a deadline. This is a big deal because a lot of times we'll make plans or we'll have dreams, but if we don't put a deadline to it, we don't get it done. And I love how he told the king, so I set a time. So I set a time. Sometimes you'll go, you know what, man, I just need to read the Bible. Yep, I just need to read the Bible. And then I got so much else to do, right? I mean, I got, I got kids, I got things that are happening and we don't get around to it. But if you set a deadline and go, listen, I'm gonna read a chapter a day. I'm gonna take that daily step. And I don't care if I have to stay up at night, I'm getting my chapter in, right? Like I've set a deadline when I get done. Or you go, I'm gonna read the entire Bible through. So next year, you know, in 2024, I'm just, I'm gonna make a commitment. I'm gonna do that. When you put a deadline on it, you get it done, right? It's the same thing. And that's a principle in life. And so as God stirs in your heart, you go, man, I, you know, I really need to do this or I really need to serve. Or I really need to join the church. I'm gonna do it next Sunday or I'm going to that class, right? Whatever it is, when you start to put a deadline on things, and so many times spiritually, we'll just kind of push things off. But when you start to lay it down, that's when you see it happen. Notice this, Nehemiah overcame fear. This is a big one for us, right? Fear loves to keep us comfortable. Fear loves to keep us right there in our little safe spot, right? But when you step out and you overcome that fear, Nehemiah, I was afraid. I'll just be real honest with you guys. I was afraid. And there are those times. You know, should I invite my neighbor to church? I don't know, right? I, should I talk to my kid about Christ? I know they're going through a tough time and how do I handle that? Should I invite my friend at school, right? Should I pray for them at work? And God puts it on your heart like, ah. And you have this tension there, this tension. And you have to go, am I gonna let fear win or am I gonna let faith win? And God's obviously stirred in my heart. God doesn't cost do everything, right? But, but there are times when God stirs in our heart and we go, am I gonna let fear win or am I gonna let faith win? Nehemiah overcame fear. See, following God takes boldness. It just takes boldness. There, there's no doubt about it, right? Especially in this day, in this time, in this culture, right? <laughs> We're called to be bold. You know, when Jesus called his disciples, he said, come follow me. He didn't say where he was going. He didn't say how long it was gonna take. He didn't give them a what to bring list. He just said, follow me. And, and there were things that they went through. There were hardships, there were challenges, but they were bold, and I'm telling you, the boldness, man, that's how you impact. Nehemiah was bold. Nehemiah did it for the glory of God. Listen, Nehemiah chose calling over comfort. He chose calling over comfort. And I think so often in this world, we can get caught up in the comfort. It's comfortable, right? I've got my air conditioning. I got my comforter. You know, I just want to stay in bed. And yeah, I mean, it's these things that just want to make it comfortable, comfortable, comfortable. And it's fine to have comfort time. It's time to go on vacation and relax. But man, for us as Christ followers, there's times that we just push out and go, man, there's a calling here. God, you call me to be the spiritual leader in my home. <laughs> God, you called me to raise up the next generation in Christ. You called me to make a difference, God. And God, I gotta press past that. And I'm telling you, I'm so thankful Nehemiah did. I mean, think about this. He could have stayed in the palace, but he went 800 miles. And your obedience impacts others. <laughs> Nehemiah goes back and, and you'll find out in the coming weeks, right? They, they rebuild the walls, uh, Jerusalem there. And you know what's gonna happen 400 years? See, Nehemiah is the last book chronologically in the Old Testament, then there's 400 years. 
until what happens in the New Testament? Jesus. And where is Jesus dedicated? There at the temple in Jerusalem. Where is Jesus teaching and healing and doing miracles? There in Jerusalem. Where is Jesus dying on a cross for your sins and for my sins? There in Jerusalem. Where is Jesus conquering death and making a way for us to have eternal life? And resurrected there in Jerusalem. And God's going, watch this, Nehemiah. You go back. You rally the people and do something great that's going to reverberate throughout the generations. And we're a part of that. Guys, listen. As God's church today, he's given us an incredible vision and a plan. As God's church today, right? God's not saying, hey, just come in and, and I'm done. God's saying, hey, I've given you a vision and a plan. It would be so easy for us. God's doing so many great things just to turn in on ourselves and to have a holy huddle, right? Because we all love each other. This is great. And, and have this little holy huddle. But, but life, the Christian life's not lived out in the locker room. You come in the locker room, you're encouraged, you're strengthened, you study the playbook, right? But then you go and live it out. You live it out. See, look at this. Because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted my request. The miracles come when you step into it. The miracles come when you're bold. The miracles come when you take a next step of faith. That's when they come. And when you recognize that God is with you, and if God is with you and God is for you, who can be against you? So that's when you and I start to live it out. Our vision at Rolling Hills is this. A people of God, we're a people of God today, right? Which is different than the culture and the world. A people of God reaching out, growing up, giving all. A people of God reaching out, growing up, giving all. That's our vision, right? It has been for 20 years. So first of all, we talk about this, to reach people for Christ. You know, to reach out. And that's why we have Mission Sunday. That's why we celebrate our local church partners. That's why we talk about mission trips. That's why we talk about people in our own community, in our own neighborhood. There are people of God reaching out. The Great Commission Jesus gave to his disciples. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. You take what you're learning and pass it on, right? And listen, I'm with you always to the very end of the age. <laughs> I love that. And then also to grow fully mature believers, to grow fully mature, that we would grow mature in our walk with the Lord. That's what community does. Iron sharpens iron. That's when we need church. God established it. That's when we need to be in one another's lives. That's when we need the encouragement and the challenge that comes. It tells us in Ephesians chapter four, it was he who gave some to be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. Why? To prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity of faith and become mature attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So we're all a work in progress. We're all growing. And then this one, to give glory to God. We're called as a church to give glory to God. It's not about what we do. It's about what he does. And so that's what we want to do. Now to him who is able, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? That's us. See, look at this. Our God has given us a plan to accomplish his vision. For 20 years, God has been so faithful as we worship and discipleship and evangelism and fellowship and ministry. And now God is calling us to what is next, to what is next as a church. And we're in the season. We introduced it last week, talking about next. What's the next 20 years look like? What does it look like to impact the next generation? 
What's the next ministry? What's the next mission? And what's the next one? And the next one, maybe your child (laughs) or your grandchild or your great-grandchild in 20 years, right? The next one, maybe your neighbor or your friend or your coworker. The next one, seeing their life change for the glory of God. I want you to hear today from two just incredible leaders, incredible people who are so special to me and to our church family. And I want to invite them to come out uh, right now. And these are our national directors for Justice and Mercy International. We got some, they're going to come out and got some stools for them. Thanks guys so much. But Sarah Rodriguez is our national director in the Amazon. And Alina Magdaluk is our national director with Justice and Mercy International in Moldova. And you know, as a church, we started JMI 15 years ago. Can you believe that, 15 years? (laughs) And to see what God has done. I mean, it has been incredible and all glory to God. And I'm so thankful you guys are here. And we love it. Once a year, they come in. We have a big evening with JMI. It was Thursday night. It was awesome. And we celebrate. And then you guys, you're part of our church family. And uh, it's it's amazing. So Sarah, tell us what's happening in the Amazon right now. So much, actually. But before, can I just say, hey, boy? boy. It's always so, so good. Jeff, to be out here with you guys. Rolling Hills has been such a loving and caring church family Mm -hmm. to us. Even though we're not here every Sunday, uh, we keep up with you and we feel all the love and prayers. So for that, I am super grateful and on behalf of our staff too. But yes, this last year was crazy in the Amazon as we, um, first the staff, there was a lot of healing that had to happen. Um, after 2021, we had a lot of losses. And finally, I feel like we're in a great place. The Lord has been so faithful yeah. in just healing and, and helping us start over. Uh, but also our pastor's conference. We, you know, you have we have two uh, main pastor's conference where we train hundreds of leaders a year. And this year, we actually had the largest ones. And um, in, Ju- in July, we had like 136 pastors there. And it's, it's, a, it's a very special uh, project to us because that's where we send them out and help them get to places that we would never get to but also you know libraries were opened we have 200 uh, kids in continual uh, discipleship in our programs and um, it's I, I just feel like the Lord is continues to listen and respond to the to the to the people to their prayers and we're just grateful to be part of that I love that Sarah Alina tell us about Moldova a lot going on there well, a lot of things happening, Jeff. We have 46 Moldovan staff caring for a thousand vulnerable children in 71 villages. Uh, we have uh, 50 transitional living kids, about 15 of them are new. Uh, they just came in September, so that's a lot of work, wow. but we are enjoying every minute it. We just started a new program, youth development program, and we hope it grows. We hope we can take it to more villages in Moldova. Uh, God has, is just blessing this ministry and is growing it that's awesome well a big part of this next for us is the next mission and so joining with you guys and talk about what's next there in the amazon and in moldova well you're talking today about planning and we could have never planned what we're experiencing (laughs) right now and what the lord has trusted us um but we um two a lot of things are happening but two major ones are uh, the addition of the new pastors conference and jeff i wonder like people really understand the value of that but that's where we train leaders who are already um in places that you and i truly logistically couldn't even get to um out of the 62 municipalities in the amazon we have pastors who are in 50 over 50 of those and they are the ones taking medication 
communication, taking the food, taking the gospel, uh, being there, truly ambassadors of Christ there. And so for us to add another conference and pastors are bringing pastors, it's amazing to be able to support them and to encourage them. And it, and also for 10 years, we have been bringing them to us and training them. And now we have our multipliers program um, that we just launched where we're now pushing the River Church out on missions mm. as we go also. And by the way, your church was there this year. I, I loved it. Like we had over 20 mission teams and I hope you get to come again. But now the pastors are get to go with their own churches and their own church members on our boat um, on missions. And I see how the Lord is paving that way for them to get to where the gospel is yet to be heard. So we are super excited. Love it, Sarah. Alina, tell us what's next there in Moldova. Well, we're praying for more sponsored children. Mm. Believe it or not, we have the whole villages standing in line waiting to be sponsored mm. with number of kids in each village. We're praying for more homes, for more teenagers to come and join our programs. We're praying for more staff. Um, more staff who used to be our transition living kids and our vulnerable kids in the villages. So we have great plans and we pray that these plans are His. Yeah. Amen. Oh, I love that. So thankful. And I'm so thankful for you two and your obedience to the Lord because you stepped out and now God's using you, you know, and now you were a city girl and now working in the jungle and, you know, the things that you're going into villages that you would have never dreamed. And uh, it's, it's incredible. So thank you both. How can we be praying for you? Um, I would say pray for more people. Uh, we do. The Bible says, you know, he never, never talked about praying for gold, but for yeah. people <laughs> because they're rare. And we do need more staff. Um, mm. We're literally a dozen caring for thousands and it can be overwhelming at times but also for more teams to come down it's a blessing when we have help on the ground um, also uh, for the jungle pastors like right now as we're sitting here in this comfortable room there are pastors who are literally paddling in a Solimoins river fighting snakes and different things just to get to people and and bring them joy and hope uh, in christ and we are always praying that the lord will raise more uh pastors and missionaries to help us reach the jungle with the love of god but also with the um the holistic list of things with education and other things um and of course jeff we always pray that christ will be seen in everything mm -hmm. we do what we do looks really good, but if Christ is not in it, if he's not yeah. being shown, it's, it's vain, it's, it's temporary. And right. so we always pray that the Lord will truly be found in every single program, every single life that is there. So, and we appreciate your prayers for sure. I love that. Oh, Elena, how can we pray for you guys? Well, I echo what Sarah said, pray for more staff. 46 is not enough. Mm. So we need more people working and going and investing in the new generation that will one day change Moldova. And it is already changing because the, some of the staff we have now is someone that we invested in. So please pray for more staff. Pray for wisdom, for strength, for love, for patience for the staff, because this is what you need working with children and for the Lord. Um, also pray for peace. Mm. Pray for peace in Ukraine and in Moldova, in Russia, all over the world, because we want to continue doing what we are already doing. And we pray God gives us, you know, this peace uh, in the world, but also in our hearts. And also pray for resources. Pray for more people to join the ministry, Moldovans, Americans, because we are in this together. We do this together. Pray for more ideas, uh, more finances, for everything that we need, because he always supplies. And we feel your prayers, and we appreciate them, and we love the fact that we are uh, doing this ministry together. 
I love it too. And just so thankful for you guys. And, um, you know, I just want you to know, church, I, I was there in the Amazon in March and then in July in Moldova, and it's working. I mean, you're literally seeing, um, I'll get choked up about talking about it too much, but you're literally seeing um, precious children's lives saved. I mean, yeah. from human trafficking and, and then salvation and seeing these pastors are the most beautiful people taking the gospel. I mean, God is doing miracles every day. And so while we're praying here and, and we go on mission trips, I mean, every day they're doing ministry and impacting the world for Christ. And we're all in this together. It takes all of us. So let me pray for you guys. Can I do that right now? Yes. Father, thank you for Sarah. Thank you for Alina. God, I pray a blessing over them. I pray you would fill them with your spirit. Give them wisdom, Father. God, they are leading so many people right now. And I pray you bring more staff. I pray you bring more volunteers, um, rally around them. God, I pray as Alina asked for peace. I pray peace in Ukraine and Russia. God, I pray you would do a miracle, Father, there. I pray protection over Moldova and over the kids. I pray protection over these pastors as Sarah asked and so many, you know, are going into the deepest regions and sharing the love of Christ and taking medication and, and help, Father, to places we could never go. But God, you are sending them. And so bless them and protect them and be with Sarah and Alina and the entire JMI staff team here in the States and around the world and with your church. And God, we love them. We place them in your hands right now. And it's in the name of Jesus that we all together pray and we all say amen, amen, amen. Thank you, guys. Y'all are awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for all you do. Oh my gosh. Thank you. Wow. I'm telling you, they're leaders. I mean, it's incredible to watch the way they serve and the things they do at night that nobody sees, the things they do for the least and the last, the lost, the orphan child, and going to villages where, I mean, they're having to walk. You can't even drive because the roads are so bad in places. And they're going and taking food and medicine and, and just seeing life changed. Oh, it's incredible. All right, I know we got more blanks. Okay, hold on, look at this. God has given you a vision for your life. So what's your plan? What's your plan, right? God's given you a vision. What's your plan? Look at this. They replied, let us start rebuilding. And maybe you just look at your life and go, okay, it's a time for rebuilding. <laughs> maybe you look at your marriage, it goes, it's time for rebuilding. Maybe you look at your family, it's time for rebuilding. Whatever it is, but let us start rebuilding. And they began this good work. It's a good work. When you do the things of God, it's a good work. So what's your plan to grow spiritually? We all need a plan, right? We'll spend hours planning a vacation, which lasts a week, right? We'll spend all this time planning out our kids' travel soccer schedule. Yeah, but, but what's your plan to grow spiritually? And maybe it is getting in the word. Maybe it is, you know, like, hey, I'm gonna start having a time at the Lord's Day. Maybe it is baptism. Maybe like I'm making a commitment to Christ and I'm, I'm tired of waffling here. I want to be baptized, you know? Maybe it is joining a group. Maybe it's just saying, I'm going to be at church every week. I'm making a commitment. Whatever it is, what's your plan? What's your plan to disciple your family? What is it? We, we have plans for their school, their education, you know, 101, 201, 301. We, we do that. But what about disciple? You know, maybe it is just looking at your kids and go, well, they're high school now and they still have their preschool Bible, you know? I need to stop by the store, you know, get a Bible that's, that's more age appropriate. You know, what are those things that I'm doing to help them to grow? What am I doing to help disciple my kids? Maybe it's serving. You know, we talk about do good local and, and coming and serving with my family, what, whatever that is. How am I discipling them? How am I teaching them about prayer? How am I teaching them about the word? And then what's your plan to make a difference in the world for the glory of God? <laughs> what's your plan? We don't have to go 800 miles like Nehemiah did, right? I mean, we could just be across the street. Or, 
It could be just to the bedroom next door. It could just be wherever you are living. But what am I doing to make a difference? Maybe it is going, you know, and serving at GraceWorks or 413 Strong, or maybe it's Path Project or, or Shower Up. I mean, incredible places that we could serve right here in our community and make a difference. Or maybe it is going on a mission trip and you saw that flyer today and you're like, man, I've never done that, but okay. You know, or maybe you're going, it's a tough season right now, but in the next year or two years or three years, I want to put that in. I want to set a deadline by 2025, by 2030. I want to I take my family on a mission trip. I want to do something like that. What's your plan to invest in eternity? What's your plan to invest in eternity? You know, this life is but a vapor, right? It's but a vapor. But the things we do here impact eternity. And so when we look at the limited amount of time, limited amount of money, how am I doing that to invest in the things that are going to last for eternity to come? You guys, God's not finished with any of us. <laughs> God's not finished with you. Oh, no. And I truly believe the best of your life could still be ahead. God's not finished with this church. And so what would we say to God today? Okay, God, you're stirring in my heart and I'm gonna step out, I'm gonna trust and I'm gonna go forward in you. Let me ask you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. So Father God, here we are, your people today. And Father, right now we commit our lives to you. <laughs> God, we don't wanna just live for the things of this world. We wanna live for the things that are gonna last, the things that are eternal. And so Father, I pray you would meet us in this moment God, I know you're stirring in our hearts. And for every one of us, there's something different. And maybe today it's salvation. <laughs> we've watched baptism. We've heard about Jesus. We, we know that Jesus is the only one who can heal our hearts and forgive our sins. And so right now, I pray for those who would say yes to you. Or maybe it's baptism. Maybe it's joining the church. Or whatever it is, maybe, God, it's getting into the word. But God, for each of us to take a step, maybe it's a big step or maybe it's a little step, but God, something today that we step out of faith. So thank you for your presence. Thank you for your word and for worship and for speaking to each of us today. And we respond to you right now. In your name we pray. Amen, 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 church. Thank you for listening to the Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast. Be sure to share this episode with any friends and family in your life who may benefit from it. And make sure you subscribe to be notified so you never miss a sermon. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download Church Center, our Rolling Hills app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. The Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast is a part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network, available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.